So there are people who research emotions. They research emotions. And one of the things that they have found is that emotions spread. Emotions spread. So if you're feeling something, depending on what that is, it it can spread to other people around you. But they found a very interesting thing. Fear is seven times more likely to spread and will spread farther and wider than any of the other emotions. Seven times more likely to spread and will spread farther and wider than any of the other emotions. Now, they think that there's some sort of evolutionary piece to this, right? I mean, back, back when we were running from, from tigers and lions and bears, oh my, that, you know, that we, you wanted that fear to spread. Like, you wanted, you wanted other human beings to know that there was danger, get the heck out of here, or, or go to safe place, go to safe high, whatever it is, right? And so, so that can be very useful in some sense. As we've seen this week, fear spreads really quickly. And sometimes it feels like very irrationally. The happiness, the joy, or the, or the vindication that, that many folks felt this, this week, you know, when their, their candidate uh, gets elected, they feel like their voice is finally heard. That didn't necessarily spread as quickly or as, as far as the fear, the distrust, the anger, whatever, whatever that was that other people were feeling. And so, I don't know what you, I don't know what you were feeling. Um, what I know is that as a pastor, I was not ready for the emotional impact on, on communities of people and Wednesday, when my phone started ringing and my text started coming in and emails started coming in, I, I, just, I, was not, I was not in any way thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to have this kind of emotional impact on people. And so I don't know if you know, we, we ended up having a, a prayer service on Wednesday night. And I think, I, I'm going to, I think that what God showed me in that was that people are hurting all the time. People are going through stuff all the time. And the church needs to respond to that. We, we need to be a place, a place of prayer for all people. To welcome people in when they're struggling with things. Because on Wednesday, when, when people would share what was going on with them, it wasn't just about this election. But that may have just brought to the surface some of the other stuff that they were dealing with you know, more deeply in their lives, and, and, and we gave them the opportunity, you and I, because of this community, we gave those folks an opportunity to share that and to be prayed for one-on-one with whatever was going on in their life. And, and I just, I, I, I have to tell you, I mean, that was a day and a time when, when I really felt like, and now I'm, now I'm having pride and that's a, a, t- a bad thing probably, but I really felt like a spiritual leader. And I felt proud of our church giving me the permission to have that service and, and to be able to be a place where we could quickly respond and we could open up a place where people could, could share and pray and hear a word from God for them. Whether that, whether that smoothed everything over or not, I don't know. But I know the, the, the feedback that I got was just so powerful. Thank you for providing this place for reflection and prayer and thoughtfulness. 
in every crisis, there is danger, right? And there is opportunity. In every crisis, there's danger. That's the, the Chinese symbol uh, for, for crisis is a mixture of the symbol for, for danger and a mixture of the symbol for opportunity. In every crisis, there is danger, but there is also opportunity. And I think that in the, in the midst of this time, again, wherever you are on, 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 on your thought process here, there's a real opportunity here for the church. And I mean big C church. I mean, I mean, I mean Christians. An opportunity to really show who those who follow Jesus are. To cut through all the layers of stuff that we normally have between us and others. And to really be able to communicate with each other. To be able to sit down with someone who doesn't, doesn't believe the way you do, who doesn't think the way you do, you know, um, who, 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 doesn't, who doesn't maybe share um, some, of the, some of the similar values that you share, and, and listen. And listen. And hear. And seek understanding and, and seek to be understood but in a, in a community where we, we listen and we're open and, we've, and, we, and we really live true to our values of what Jesus says to us, which is that every person is valuable. Every person has worth. Every person. But that doesn't mean that, that we allow um, you know, everybody to just be in their dysfunction either. And we're all probably in our dysfunction a little bit. Let's just be really honest. We all have, we all, I always talk about, I talk about this a lot. We all have our blind spots. We all have our blind spots. Things that we think where everything's cool, everything's great, and we're just blind, we're blind to the places where we are sinful, where we are broken. And so we can, we can, as the church, call out things that we, that we believe are just not right. We can call it out. And we can also call ourselves to repentance for the ways in which we may have played a part in perpetuating some of those systems and some of those ways of thinking and and the ways that we may not have been a part of that. Because it's so easy to get angry and to get fearful and to point fingers at the other, to get unself-reflective. But we also have to be courageous to work in communities for what we truly believe in. Because, here's the thing, we were not given a spirit of fear. We were not given a spirit of fear. We were given a spirit of reconciliation. We were given the spirit, who then in turn gives us the fruits of the spirit. Peace, patience, kindness. Can you say them all? I, I... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 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 right? I mean, God grant me self-control. That, would be... that last one is self-control, Paul. Yeah, that's... Uh... 
I, I just, you know, but that we were given the Spirit and, and the Spirit gives us these, these, these gifts to be used in, in community. And we, I believe, we are called to be the ones who are those who welcome the stranger. We're called to, to, we're called to be the ones who deliver the good news of God's grace. We're called to be a community where we welcome the libertarians, the Republicans, the Democrats, and that we can come around a table and we can begin to listen to each other, not to just find differences, but to find commonality, to hear each other, and to maybe begin to work for what we believe would be just and right, especially as it comes out of the gospel. For us as Christians, that's, that's the bottom line for us, is what, what is the good news? I mean, Jesus in his ministry was always getting challenged, always getting pushed because he was, he was, he was out there with the Syrophoenician woman or the Samaritan woman, or he, or he preached, you know, this, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, these were outsiders. These were the other. These were people different. They acted different. They behaved different. They, 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 may, may they didn't look so much different, but they, you know, and Jesus was, Jesus was out there preaching with them, teaching with them, healing them, saying, you are part of the kingdom. That's a radical message still today because we want to build our little kingdoms, don't we? Instead of letting God build the kingdom here. When we commit ourselves to that good news, when we commit ourselves to that good news, it claims all of us, every bit of us, and God then entrusts to us, entrusts to us the work of reconciliation. The church is the one who is called on behalf of the Spirit to be the ones who are healing things, seeking ways forward. Yes, calling out all of those things that are wrong in our society, calling it out but not simply condemning it, but working against it and, and, and opening people to see where maybe, maybe what's, what they're saying and doing is wrong, but not in a way that pushes them off farther and farther into a corner, but hopefully draws them closer and closer in to feel the love and the wholeness and the healing of Christ. I know it sounds impossible, but guess what? What does God say? Or what does you say? Nothing Nothing is impossible with God. Even a camel can go through the eye of a needle. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, maybe if it were just up to you or me, yeah, I, I mean, am I up to that task? I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I can absorb all of that. But in Christ, but in Christ, I can be uncomfortable. I can get pushed. I can get opened up. I can get challenged. Because in Christ, I also find comfort and healing and wholeness because I realize it's not all up to me. But I'm also called to know what it is I'm putting myself on the line for. I mean, that's where the paradox is, is that, is that I think that times like this and in times of crisis, it's also a time for us to go, well, what do I really believe? What do I really care about? What am I willing to put myself out there for? 
And what do I need to shed and leave behind? What do I need to quit worrying about so that I can work on behalf of things that I really, really, really care about, that really touch me, that I believe need to be changed in this world on behalf of the good news of Christ? These fruits of the Spirit are given for a reason. For our use. Just like that peeler. It was a little object lesson this morning, but you know, when you're, when, you're, when, you're given, when you're given something, it's to be used. Now, if you're given a hammer, not everything is a nail, right? That old saying. But, but if you've been given a gift, and I don't know what that is, you know, for, for each one of you, what, what that you know, particular gift might be, but, or what that calling might be to you, but we're called to use it for the kingdom, to help Christ build the kingdom here. Because that's the weird thing about this is God, in God's infinite wisdom, left the kingdom, in a sense, left the gospel and the good news and the spreading of that to the body of Christ in the world, which was you and me. You know, I mean, sometimes you wonder about the wisdom of God. Wouldn't it have been better to leave it to the angels? (laughs) You know, to some other higher, more infinite powers? Well, that's not what God's wisdom did to us to us. What a great gift that is. Maybe it's a burden too, but what a great gift that is. And so I want to read, I want to read from Matthew, and you're going to wonder where I'm going with this, but we'll get there eventually. Um, Matthew 25, and you've heard this one before. For it is as if a man, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom, okay, so that what the kingdom of God is like. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. I'm going to stop right there before we get to the rest of it. It is as if a man, going on a journey, entrusted his property to them. That's what the kingdom is like. So here's the allegory, right? God is the man. God's entrusted to us, his servants the kingdom. And not just a little sliver of it, not just a little piece of it, but the whole thing. The whole thing. Entrusted to you and me. The whole creation. All human beings on earth. The generations to come. All entrusted to us. To God's servants. I mean, if that doesn't set you back just a little bit, that doesn't scare you maybe a little bit, or that doesn't embolden you a little bit, I mean, I, you know, wake up, because it, what a, wow, what a great gift. What a great gift. And in the story, as, as we go farther through it, you hear that, you know, he gave, he, he sort of divided up some of the, the, the riches of the, of the kingdom and gave more to some and, and, and less to others and just said, here, do, you know, do with this as, as, you, as you would, you know, as is right. You know, and, and we know that one of them took what he was given and doubled it. The other one took what he did and doubled it. And, and the third one just buried it in a hole because he was afraid. Because he gave in to a spirit of fear. And when the man returned, when the owner returned, he rewarded those who had risked using those gifts and he took away from the one who'd been in the fear and gave it to the other ones. It's 
kind of a harsh parable, actually. But it ought to challenge our thinking about what it means to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Steward is a great word. And it didn't really come into existence, I don't think, until maybe Middle Ages, whatever, um, when, when you have all these, these, these uh, kings and lords and the fiefdoms and, and all that sort of thing. And the steward was the one who, who didn't own anything, but, but was in control of all the lands, all the grain, all the trading, all the commerce, all of that, on, in, that in that area, in that region. And so the lord or the king or the whoever, whoever actually owned everything entrusted the steward with everything, but the steward didn't own any of it. And so the steward was called upon to do everything that was right, of course, to increase the profits for the, for, for the, for the landowner, right, in terms of just a pure commerce sort of thing, but also to make sure that the farmers had what they needed so they could produce what they needed to produce, so that, so that the armies or whoever was protecting the borderlands had what they needed in order to do what they needed to do. I mean, just, it was completely in charge of all that stuff, but I didn't own any of it. And ultimately for us, that's, where, that's who we are. God has entrusted to us this world, this kingdom, this universe, every person on earth, the whole creation has been entrusted to us. And we don't own a thing. We think we do, but you know what? The house that you live in, if you built it, someone else is going to live in it after you. If you didn't build the house that you, that you live in, somebody lived in it before you. The car that you drive, if it doesn't go to the junk heap, somebody's going to drive it after you. It's not ours. It belongs to God. And so then the question becomes, is how, 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 do, we, how do we steward these mysteries of hope, of salvation, of love, of compassion. How do we steward these mysteries in a time when it would be much easier to go back to fear and to bury ourselves and hide out and to just throw pot shots out on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever? You know, get embroiled in these things that are just crazy stuff going on. How do we become stewards of the fruits of the Spirit? How are we stewards of the good news of Jesus Christ? That in Him there is life. And that that life, even though it welcomes us just as we are, right? Black lives, blue lives, green lives, purple lives, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, um, whatevers. You got, you got another one you want to add, Noah? No, okay. I mean, the stranger, the other, LGBTQ, QRSP, I, you know, I, I, all, of these, all of these things, and they're valuable. I don't mean to make fun. I don't mean to make fun. I'm sorry. Um, side note, if, you, if you're in the PCUSA, we put, we put um, acronyms to everything, and so I like to make fun of it, all acronyms, so I, I'm sorry that I just did that, and that's just sort of a reflex for me. But how are we stewards of the good news? So it welcomes, God welcomes everyone just as they are, right where they are. But God does not leave us there. 
I don't know about you, but in, in my life of faith, there have many times when I've, when I've said, listen, Jesus, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want out of this. Like, this is too hard. It is too hard to be confronted with my sin on a regular basis. It is too hard to be confronted with my brokenness in my face. It is too hard to have to come and ask for forgiveness, even though I know I've already received it, because I'm, just, I'm such a broken man and I just can't, I cannot seem to get over it. God does not leave us right where we are. God calls us into a new life. Into a new life. We are stewards of all creation. All creation. For centuries it was, for those people who were saved, they, they you know, thought, oh, well, well we're going to, you know, we're getting transported on a great UFO and it's going to take us up to heaven. You know? And so it doesn't really matter what we do with the earth, but that's not biblical. In the beginning, God made God's home with God's people. In the end, it said God's going to make God's home with God's people. Well, where are God's people? Well, as far as we know, they're right here. That heaven will be on earth. Jesus said the kingdom is among you. We are stewards of all creation. So how, how do we care for this creation? Martin Luther, when asked, well, what would you do if you knew Jesus Christ was coming back tomorrow? He said, I'd plant a tree. Plant a tree? I mean, most of us be like, well, I don't know what most of us be like. I'm taking a trip. I want to, you know, whatever. Jesus come tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go have some fun. I, you know, plant a tree. A tree which he would have never sat in the shade of, right? That's what we're called to do, too. We're supposed to be planting those trees. Stewards of our time, stewards of our talents, stewards of our resources, because none of it is ours. Stewards of it. God, what would you do through me? What do you want to do through me? If you, were, if, if you, if you didn't get a chance to come here yesterday for the prayer event, I, I'm sorry for you. It was awesome. And I know many of you were doing some many amazing things yesterday, like running marathons and helping out other people and, and doing all that, and, and, and I love it. But if you get a chance, go see. They still have some of the stations up. Go see what those stations were. Absolutely fantastic. To think about the life and the history of the people of Westminster and then where God is drawing us into the future as stewards of God's grace and stewards of the mystery of God and stewards of the gospel, stewards of our time and talents and resources. And so today, we're going to commit ourselves with our financial commitments. We have this, we have this, this, this hammered bowl here, and, and when you come up for communion, we're just going to ask you, if you haven't, if you haven't um, brought in your commitment cards yet, to go ahead and put your commitment cards in there for this capital campaign and for our, and for our annual giving campaign. I hope you've brought your cards today. Um, and if you haven't, we'll figure that out. But just, you can bring them and put them in there as you come forward for communion. And this is not, and it, it, theologically, it's a little bit of a mess, okay? I'll just, I'll be honest about that. It's not that you commit yourself and then you receive the grace of Christ, okay? <laughs> Wouldn't that, that, that's, I think that's what Martin Luther was really upset about, right? Back in the Reformation, like he was, he was like, yeah, we're, if, you, if you pay for stuff, then, you're, then you're, your relatives get out of purgatory. No, 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 no. So that's, so the, it, we, we erred on the side of practicality 
rather than philosophy or theology, okay? So just know that, that when you come to this table, it is not because we've gotten it right. I say that every time. It's not because we've been perfect. It's because we're being made perfect in Christ. It's because we're being offered a new life in Christ. And so today, as you think about and as you've thought about um, your, your financial commitments to the church, I hope you'll really think and dig deep about what is it that is important to you because this congregation is about the work of reconciliation now more than maybe ever. I feel it. Because you you you're pushing me to be more about that than ever. You are pushing me to, to talk more about those kinds of things and those kinds of commitments. You're asking me, you're asking for it, to challenge you more and more to double down on what it, we believe is really important about the gospel. And so what we're about, you know, is this God of love and that that love changes life and that following Jesus can change us. And so we're committed to educating ourselves, to growing in faith, to educating our children and those who would come behind us. We are dedicated to opening up our doors to the community. We are dedicated to going out into our community and finding those places where we need to welcome the other, welcome the stranger, come alongside of those who are hurting and hopeless and link arms with them and seek to show them what it really means to follow Christ as stewards of the mysteries of God. And as you can tell, that gets me a little bit excited. What an opportunity we have right now in the midst of what for many feels like a crisis. To be the voice of Christ. A voice of welcome and of hope, of reconciliation and healing. But also a place where people can find new life. Where they can be welcomed as they are, but not left there because God loves them so much. And so we as stewards live out our stewardship in faith. That the one who gave everything for us has given us everything to steward the mysteries of God. All of this is given for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. Amen.